Hello, and welcome back to We Are the Weirdos, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hilary Michelle Post, and I'm joined today by my sister, Lace Mason. How are you doing today, Lace? Peachy, how are you? A little wine drunk, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little Mexican drunk. <laughs> Lacey has a food baby, and I'm drinking a lot of wine. Yeah, if I burp, excuse me, I can't help it. <laughs> I usually don't know what's going to happen. I'll just be mid-sentence, and I'll be like, <laughs> That's pretty impressive. You had that Mexican, like, this afternoon. You still feeling it? Yes. Girl, my hey. stuff is so messed up. Like, I, you don't even know. Like, I've been eating just as light as I can and as healthily as I can and juicing the fuck out of everything. Like, just anything I can think that won't make me feel like shit after I eat. So maybe my doctor will figure it out. Um, I hope. I wish I could say I'm that disciplined, but I'm not. <laughs> my problem is I'm, like, never hungry during the day. If anything, I'm, like, anxious and stressed and not hungry. And then by the... Late afternoon, evening, I'm like, give me all of the food. Well, that's been my problem because that's how I live. Like, I eat, just stuff myself at night and then go to sleep. And that's not good for me. And then I've been working. And I, like, by the time, like, no matter what it is, 8 p.m., I'm so hungry. Like, no matter what people buy, I'm like a sardine in a can. Oh, I'd eat that right now. Like, disgusting. It doesn't (laughs) even matter. So I've been trying to train myself to you know, do something with my body before I leave the house, and that's not easy for me to do because I just don't want to. Right. Well, so the purpose of this episode, I guess, other than Lace and I bullshitting, um, this episode will be dropping the weekend after Valentine's Day. So I wanted to do something on theme. And while there are plenty of, like, rom-coms that I earnestly enjoy – your typical heteronormative Meg Ryan vehicle doesn't really fit in with the vibe of this show. So we pick something a little more niche, a lot more stylized, and likely something much more polarizing. Uh, today we're going to be talking about 2003's Down With Love. Um, for those who may not be familiar, Down With Love is a pastiche of the like sexless sex romps of the 1960s. Think Doris Day, think Rock Hudson, Pillow Talk, Lover Come Back, that whole vibe. Um, there are a few films these days. I say these days, this movie's already 20 years old. Whew. Um, but that are as dedicated to the gag as Down With Love is. And God, that you're so here. smart. I was, I was trying to think of a way to say that, like, as I was driving home, I drove past my road because I was like, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I actually tried to be thoughtful, but I couldn't really. But you're right. That's exactly yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah. And um, there are things in that about it that are even polarizing for me. And I, I gen- genuinely like the movie. Um, what do you think of Down With Love? <sighs> well, this is actually we were just I was just thinking about how me and my husband have been watching this movie for about 20 years together. Because I think it did come out in 2003. Mm-hmm. And we just, once a year we watch it. And I just, I don't know, it's like low-hanging fruit, but it's done so well. Yeah. And enough for me to like Renee Zellweger, because I don't. Me either! <laughs> that was the next thing I was going to say. It's like, the movie itself has, um, you know, different elements that I could t- leave take or leave but i love ewan mcgregor sarah paulson and david hyde pierce so much that it outweighs how much i dislike renee zellweger same (laughs) and i don't know what it is i don't know what it is i mean i don't know if it's just because i appreciate her work in this film even though she annoys me um i think she was very brave in like how much she committed to the bit. Um, and I feel like when I watch her performance in this movie, I feel like she studied these movies. Like she studied this genre and she's like really got in there. Whereas I feel like Ewan didn't have to do that. He's just like so effervescent and charming. He just like showed up and was like his charming self and he pulled it off. Right. Um, 
I, however, don't find her novels every day that were charming. <laughs> Maybe it was just like growing up and seeing her in the um, Bridget Jones movies that I don't like because it's just like, oh, teehee, Bridget's so fat. And she's like a size 10. Right. And I just, you know, I just want to fucking scream and pull my hair out. Um, I don't know. She, okay, before I say anything, she's never had any kind of health problems that anybody knows about, correct? I, I, not that I know of. Okay, so that being said, she looks like she's chewing on the side of her face. (laughs) I love that you were like, okay, there's nothing medically wrong with her, right? She just has a fucked up face. (laughs) And you're not wrong. Say that because I've put my foot in my mouth before. No, I, no, I agree. Uh, but yeah, uh, she, like, her face is not symmetrical. Like, she's got, like, one, like, fat Popeye jaw, and then the other one's, like, kind of normal skinny girl. And, but she, like, talks out of the Popeye side, like, and I cannot stand it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, just her general mannerisms in, in most things. Like, I don't know. The only Renee Zellweger movies I like are this and Chicago. <gasps> That's the only note that I wrote. <laughs> what? That I only like this in Chicago. You like Chicago too? Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't even think it's because of her. I just, you know, I love, I'm not a musical person, but don't tell nobody, I love Chicago. <laughs> I love that. Um, like... I don't know. Well, we'll get into it. We'll get more into it as we go on. But um, I don't have a whole lot of background on the making of this film, unfortunately. Um, The one thing to note is that the director, Peyton Reed, who also directed Bring It On, The Breakup, and the Ant-Man movies, uh, he is actually from Raleigh, North Carolina, where I live. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Represent. Uh, The film was shot on four sound stages where they built over 50 different sets. Uh, everyone's costumes were custom made from head to toe, which was no small feat considering how many amazing costumes there are in this thing and how period accurate they are. Um, the film premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in early May of 2003, then had its wide release a week later. Um, it was released opposite of The Matrix Reloaded, the thought process being, if you weren't the type who would want to go see the Matrix, you might be the type that wants to see this, which I guess is a fair gamble, but unfortunately, it did not pay off. Uh, the budget for Down With Love was $35 million, and it only grossed $39.5 million at the box office. So it made its money Oof. back, but not yeah. by much. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to do everybody listen. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to describe the plot of this movie, but it is so dense. I don't have, there's no other way to describe it. It's just so dense. There's just so, there's just so many story beats and gags and references and it's just, oh, it's exhausting. I, all day I've been working on this, trying to summarize this movie. All day. I had to take a nap. I I knew you did when I saw you were inactive for like, I don't know, 40 or 50 minutes. I was like, yeah, sleepy. Yeah, that powered (laughs) up. My brain was fried. Um, So the film is set in 1962 in New York City. Uh, We see our protagonist, Barbara Novak, arrive in New York. Um, We got to talk about her walk, the way she walks. Well, she never, ever, ever stops. Like, I always, I actually watched for her to kind of break character and walk normal. No. Oh, not once. It's, her arms are always up. She always wiggles. It's very, I don't know. My problem, too, is as much as I appreciate the aesthetic of this movie and the what it's going for, I also had not seen many Doris Day, Rock Hudson movies. So, like... I understand its place in the pop culture zeitgeist, but there are little tiny things that I'm like, is that a direct reference or is she just being obnoxious? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the walk is one of them. I'm just like, 
don't think Doris Day walked like that, but okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so Barbara Novak arrives to New York City. She's from Maine. She was a, a farmer's daughter librarian who wrote this book and came to New York. So she gets in a taxi, and there's this gag where we see a bunch of people protesting out front of the U.N., and Barbara's taxi backfires, and all the protesters scream and duck, thinking they're being shot at. And I'm always <laughs> like, wow, dark way to start a romantic comedy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's get that dark little gag out of the way, and then we move on from there. Um, like I said, Barbara is an author and has written a nonfiction book called Down With Love. And she goes to the offices of Banner House Publishing to meet her editor, Vicki Hiller, played by Sarah Paulson. Uh, this was the first thing I saw Sarah Paulson in, and I've been madly in love with her ever since. Same. Love. Love her. Um, do you do much of the American Horror Story? No. Never. No? I mean, that's her big thing for me. Like, you know. That's been her bread and butter for the past 10 years or so. <laughs> right. Um, she's been in other things, too, obviously, and she's great and everything. But, man, her work with Ryan Murphy has just been all over the place. Crazy. She's so good. The craziest thing I just discovered the other day, thanks to TikTok, this bizarre short film that she was in. I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw little clips of it on TikTok. But it's like this whole thing of, like, She's at a play place um, with this little boy, and she, like, has a conversation with another dad that's there. And then at the end, you find out that the little boy that she's with, um, he they're, like, talking. And at the end, the little boy's just like, well, next time, instead of coming out, let's just stay home and fuck. And she's like, oh, okay. And, like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's the end of the short film. I need to watch the whole thing to understand the context, but basically it's just, like, supposed to be a, a a cautionary tale about how all you know predators look, look like it, all sorts of different type of people and blah 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 but like it was so jarring and so weird i was like sarah paulson why <laughs> whoa i gotta send you a link to it it was so weird i was like what the fuck just happened um yeah with some exceptions sarah paulson Great work. <laughs> um, so Vicky's character always has a cigarette in her hand. Uh, we get a lot of smoke gags. We also get a little cameo from Rachel Dratch as Vicky's secretary. Um, she's only in two brief scenes, which is a shame because I love Rachel Dratch. Me too. Um, also, there's a couple cameos by Chris Parnell, so a couple different SNL alum. Uh, Vicky and Barbara have a meeting with the publishing house's board of directors, all men, of course. And they treat Vicky like a damn servant, making her give them all coffee and drinks and shit. And uh, Vicky and Barbara explain the thesis of Barbara's book, um, the idea that if women reject love, then they will be happier, more fulfilled and more successful in the workplace. The Republican fear. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Succinctly put, yeah. Um, One of the executives warns Barbara that men in Manhattan aren't like the men in Maine that Barbara is used to. They'll come at you from the front, and then they'll come at you from the rear, (laughs) and they'll even come right out of the sky. And which cuts to a helicopter. Where we meet our other protagonist, Catcher Block, played by Ewan McGregor. I like that bit, though, in the office where they're like, this is JR, this is CB, I'm BT. And it's like, <laughs> CJ's out with TB. Oh, no. Oh, TB's our whatever guy. Yeah, he's like, she's like, oh, no, is it serious? And he's like, oh, no, he's the Theodore Banner, the head of our <laughs> company. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so catcher block I could talk about Ewan McGregor for 12 years (laughs) like 
I love him. I love him as an actor. Um, I like him as a, as a dude. Well, we'll get into that too. Um, I've been in love with him ever since Moulin Rouge. So this was, at this point, this came out two years after Moulin Rouge. I was deep in my Ewan McGregor, like, chokehold. <laughs> like, I was watching everything I could find of his. I was obsessed. I went to see this in theaters the weekend it came out. I remember I went with, um, Vicki Copeland. <laughs> I wonder what her, I can't remember what her new name is now. She's married now, but I can't remember her name. Shout out to Vicki. Um, and I don't remember how Vicky responded to this movie. Uh, this movie could have been way worse than it was, and I would have loved it anyway, because Ewan is so good in it. Um, but here's here's the sad thing about Ewan. I'm going a little t- tangent. Ewan, here recently, had a little bit of a midlife crisis. <laughs> this isn't going to be good. <laughs> no. It makes me really sad, actually. So the whole time that I've been a fan of his, he was married to the same woman, right? This woman, Eva, who um, was a set designer. And they had a bunch of kids. They had, like, a bunch of daughters, and they adopted some, and they had a bunch of kids. And then he worked with – can't even remember her name. He worked on Fargo, um, season two of Fargo. And he met this young actress. And he ended up leaving, he left his wife for her and got her knocked up like immediately. He basically pulled like a whole John Mulaney. Oh man. And, yeah, basically. Um, and I really like the actress that he's with now. Like she's an, a young actress I really like, even though I can't remember her name. My bad. Um, but the whole thing, I was just like, man, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Why do dudes gotta be dudin'? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Why dudes got to be dudin'? Every time I think there's like, oh, there's a man that I don't have to hate. He goes and does something. I'm just like, oh, well. <laughs> Should have known. <laughs> yeah, they're all dirty. They just Some of them are really much better at hiding it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like that meme from... um from Arrested Development, where he sees the bag that says, dead dove, don't eat. <laughs> and, he, and he opens the bag, and he's like, I don't know what I expected. I, that's like me with men. I'm just like, <laughs> like <laughs> happens. And I'm just like, why am I surprised? <laughs> <sighs> well, I mean, I still like him as an actor, even though I'm way behind on my Ewan McGregor filmography. There was a point there where I had seen everything he was in. That was like a decade ago. Now I'm way behind. Um, how, what do you like him? Do you think he's cute? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's good. We would have had to fight a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you would have just yeah. heard my car door closing. I'm just like, I'm coming to Ohio. I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was Moulin Rouge for me too. Every time, because you know Sam is like a huge Elton John fan. And every time he sings your song, I'm like, Ewan does it better. And he's like, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, it's true. He likes it too, though, a lot. He always sings it too. I get so bent out of shape because, um, you know, Moulin Rouge was adapted for the stage. And um, the original Broadway cast had Aaron Tveit playing Christian. And his version of um, Roxanne is very different. I mean, it, it's arranged different anyway, but his interpretation of it's very different too. Like he opts up the octave on a bunch of different parts and it's just a lot more like intense. But to me, intense doesn't necessarily mean better. <laughs> no, because I was just going to say that's my favorite song on the soundtrack. Same. And, and Ewan's performance of that song is so good. And everyone's just like, oh, it's Aaron's version's the best. I'm just like, I will fucking cut you <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> and you're dumb <laughs> I get so bad out of shape about it I, I wish I liked the stage show I really do I wish I could be as swept up in it as everyone else's like other Moulin Rouge fans but I'm just like it's not good not a good adaptation 
Now, that being said, if I had a free chance to see it, like, for free, if I didn't have to pay, I'd probably go. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd complain the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever go, went with me would not be happy. Um, oh, speaking of musicals, while we're on the subject, Julie got tickets to see Phantom on Broadway before it closes. Shut up. That's cool. Right? She just told me last night. I'm just like, oh, that's awesome. Because um, it's, clo- I forget when it's closing, but it's closing soon after a million years. You never saw it, did you? No, not live. I mean, I've seen filmed versions of the live show, but not. Right. <laughs> yeah, in person. So, catch your block. Um, Catcher is described as a ladies' man, man's man, man about town. He is a celebrated journalist and a Lothario. And Catcher writes for the popular men's magazine, No. And his boss is the nebbish, neurotic Peter McManus, played by David Hyde Pierce, who I love. Oh, he is Um, the funniest. He is so hilarious. He's like the best part of the movie. He was the best part of Frasier, too. I said it. (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny that both of the secondary leads in this movie are gay in real life <laughs> right um so peter meets catcher's new secretary and makes a comment about how they're always new um and the poor new secretary there's like a whole sequence of of learning about um catcher's story that he's working on and he has like he got to like meet people from NASA and there's like Nazis working for NASA and it's like a whole thing. Um, but at one point catch has, we need to talk about catch's office is amazing. First of all, has a bathroom and a shower, which is rad. The only thing I can ever stare at. I don't think I've paid attention to anything else except for what's behind his desk. Exactly. That's what I was going to say behind his desk. The wall is awesome. It's like this big, giant basket weave of wall. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it's so cool, though. Very cool. Um, but the poor secretary, like, accidentally overhears the men talking about socks and mis- misinterprets it to be about penises. One of our first of many, like, naughty double entendre misunderstandings. Um, which... Some play okay, some don't. This one is okay. Some of them, I'm just like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we cut back to Barbara and Vicky leaving their meeting. And uh, a book that promotes not only equality in the workplace, but also women no longer being subservient to men at all, obviously horrifies the board. So they basically have no intention of promoting it. Um, fortunately, Vicky already has a plan to help promote the book. She has arranged with Peter to have Catcher Block write an article about Barbara and her book for No Magazine. Uh, Peter has a crush on Vicky, so he said yes before getting approval from Catch, who does not want to do it. He assumes Barbara is some man-hating spinster woman, so, of course, to a man like him, she has no value. And Peter is like, I want Vicky to think I actually have some pull with my staff. And Catch is like, pull your staff with someone else. (laughs) (laughs) But Peter begs Catch, who reluctantly agrees. Um, So Vicky takes Barbara to the apartment she has arranged for her. And Jesus fucking Christ, this apartment. (laughs) It is so ridiculously gorgeous and huge. And even in 1962, would cost like a million goddamn dollars. Mm-hmm. And Barbara is just like, "Oh, Vicky, it's adorable." I'm like, "Adorable? <laughs> are you shitting me? You have like a two-story high window that overlooks the Hudson River. Are you, are you shitting me?" <laughs> um. Ugh. Most like. I wonder if someone else played Barbara, if I would like the character of Barbara more. Do I just not like her because it's Renee? Or would I just not like her regardless? Um, I don't know. 
I really she, think the whole Renee thing has a lot to do with it. Yeah, it must. But nine times out of ten, Barbara opens her mouth and just like, stop. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think she talks out of both sides of her face in one way, because some of the things she says contradicts, like, right away. But, yeah. We probably just wouldn't care much for Barbara. We might not invite her to the Tupperware party. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just then, Catcher calls to invite Barbara and Vicky to join him and Peter at the mahogany room for lunch. And Peter steps away from the table, leaving Catch alone for a moment. And one of Catch's fuck buddies, this English flight attendant named Gwendolyn, arrives and he immediately leaves with her to apparently go fool around while at a Broadway show. Like, Yeah, I don't understand that. Me either. I'm like, just go back to Catch's place. What the hell? <laughs> Maybe um, some kind of like doing it in public kink or something. Yeah, maybe. That, that tracks. Barbara and Vicky have done a full-on coordinated costume change with matching yellow and black and white houndstooth ensembles. That is best friend goals right there. Right. <laughs> and they make this grand entrance into the mahogany room as everyone stares. And they sit down and Peter returns just as a waiter is bringing the telephone. Catcher speaks to Barbara over the phone, and he makes up this story about rescuing an English sheepdog or some nonsense, and reschedules with her for dinner that night. So dinner time comes. Barbara and Vicky do another amazing costume reveal in complimentary gowns. Um, but Catch is now at a baseball game with a French flight in- attendant, so he calls and uses another dog excuse. Um, there's some double entendres about bitches and putting twigs and bums and yada yada. And uh, <laughs> I almost <laughs> broke that down. And the cat laid on my tablet and then there was no more notes. <laughs> I'm so glad how dedicated you are to the process. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 um, but they reschedule for breakfast and then breakfast comes and Peter, Vicky and Barbara are waiting for catch. And while they wait, Barbara overhears the two flight attendants at the next table argue over catcher that they, and that they'd both been with him the day before. So this time catcher is at home getting, getting breakfast in bed from some flight attendant named Elkie. And he calls again and Barbara rips his ass and says, I never want to meet you. You know, fuck off. So she storms off and Peter is apologizing to Vicky and she has this great line. She's like, Oh, it's sad. Isn't it? This is the first time I've had to eliminate having a future with a man before we even had a chance to have a past. (laughs) That is the only outfit in the whole movie that I don't like. Oh yeah. That's weird. It's like a weird, like mustardy. Well, it's like this green, like couch looking material, but it's the hat. This, like, seven and a half foot tall, like, hat box looking <laughs> hat. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's not even, it's, yeah, it's more green than mustard, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It's a weird color. And it doesn't fit her. Like, it's really weird. It's baggy in really unflattering places. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Remind me at the end, I want to talk about, go through some of our favorite costumes. Okay. Um, meanwhile, uh, or, well, so Peter is all sad, and Catcher takes him to a titty bar, and Peter is all drunk, and he says, referring to Vicky, he's like, I haven't had breakfast and dinner with the same woman since I had a nanny, which is the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> but Catcher isn't sorry, obviously, and he just encourages him to stare at the titties. Um. Vicky takes Barbara to Scribner's to see her book on the shelves for sale, but Barbara is bummed because there's only one copy. So they're walking down the sidewalk afterwards, brainstorming how to promote the book when they see the CBS studio marquee advertising the Ed Sullivan show. And Vicky gets an idea. So somehow, miraculously, that night, Ed Sullivan plugs the book on the show and Judy Garland performs the song Down With Love as a cross-promotion. And it works. The book becomes hugely popular, and we see a montage of it selling all over the world. 
including two weirdly xenophobic scenes in China and Russia. Um, but we'll let those slide. <laughs> <laughs> Every time those scenes happen, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, we'll just <laughs> 60s, whatever. Um, anyway, the book becomes a worldwide phenomenon and women everywhere become more empowered and tell their men to fuck off. And we get a cameo from Tony Randall, who, of course, was in those Rock Hudson Doris Day movies uh, in the 60s. Um, you know, he played like the Peter type archetype character in those. Uh, here he's playing Theodore Banner TV, uh, the head of Banner Publishing, and he toasts with Vicky and Barbara over the success of the book. So. Despite her success. Barbara is lonely because men now avoid her like the plague. Um, one of the tenets of her book is once you've fully evolved into a down with love girl, you can enjoy sex a la carte. Um, but unfortunately, Barbara can't do that because men resent her. So she's left alone at her apartment eating chocolate. And because of her fame, Catcher finally sees Barbara, albeit as a cardboard cutout in a window display. And he's taken aback by the fact that she's hot. <laughs> but he resents her, too, especially after she appears on a TV show and name drops him, calling him out for being a slime ball. So now Catcher can't get late either. <laughs> so he decided as revenge, he's going to trick her into falling in love, proving that her down with love ethos is bullshit and exposing her as fraud. Do you know how long I would have to lay in that apartment eating chocolate before I would be desperate for some companionship? <laughs> who, are you, who are you telling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I got my wine, I got my cat, and I'm good. <laughs> I'd be dashing some dove and we'd be fine and dandy. <laughs> so, catch... um spots Barbara outside of a dry cleaners. So he goes in to pick up Peter's stuff to orchestrate a meet cute with her. So he puts on Peter's reading glasses, feigns a Southern accent, and claims to be an astronaut named Zip Martin. Oh, his accent. <laughs> so bad. It's so... Like, I remember it in Big Fish, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't too bad. I think it's easier for people to go from, because he's Scottish, so it's not even an English accent. He is actually a Scottish man doing an English accent, doing an American accent. Mm hmm But I think it's easier to do, for English people, to do a Southern accent than it usually is to do an American one. Um, well, they're both American, but you know what I mean, to do, like, because yeah. <laughs> it's so exaggerated, it's easier to mimic. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's just, there's just some words that he can't get, man, like book, he can't do it, it's always book. I heard one, I can't remember what it was now, but I was dying laughing, I was like, ooh, he dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> Bless his little heart. Um. So being an astronaut, of course, he has an excuse for not knowing who Barbara is because he's supposedly been in space while she's been becoming a worldwide sensation. So Barbara sees this as an in. So she makes a pass at him. But he plays all gee shucks, gosh, darn, and insists that they get to know each other before they bone. So. um Catcher meets with Peter at the mahogany room again, and he pays the maitre d' to tell all the cab drivers, doormen, and waiters in the neighborhood to start referring to him as Major Zip Martin to help with his plan. Meanwhile, Peter is spying on Vicky, who is on a date with a famous athlete. And when the athlete leaves, Peter goes over and asks, are you in love with that football player? <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, well, not anymore. Um, he just wanted to slip her his manuscript. 
and she complains how men are resentful for her success as a famous editor and won't give her the time of day. And the men who do respect her career won't give her the time of night. And Peter is like, if you give me the chance, I will respect you and resent you night and day and day and night. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, oh, what the hell? Um, Then we see this cute montage of Barbara and quote, unquote, zip on a bunch of different dates. Ewan's dancing in this montage is so cute. (laughs) He's such a dork. He is just, I don't know. There's just something about him. Like, everything he does is adorable, even when it's stupid. I know. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> That's why I love him most in, like, romantic and fun roles. And he's not in them much anymore. Most of the stuff he's been doing lately has been darker. And I'm just like, yeah, you're a great actor and this is great. But, like, I'm going to see you do something goofy. <laughs> <laughs> he was in, um, I still haven't watched the Obi-Wan series. I'm a horrible fan. But it's really? Not- yeah, I haven't even watched the last Star Wars movie, so. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> My dedication to, like, modern Star Wars is. Eh. But it is Ewan, so. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you should watch it. It's pretty good. Yeah. I also sat through a movie called Miss Potter about Beatrice Par- Potter, starring Renee Zellweger, just because she plays his husband. And, or he plays her husband. And he is not in that movie nearly enough to warrant having sex through it. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Um, so. The montage, right. The date montage. Um, but Ketcher's plan is to go on a bunch of dates and to not put out so that Barbara catches feelings. And it's working, but he's catching feelings, too, though he won't admit it, of course. Um, we see them go to a bunch of Broadway shows, go to a comedy club, go to coffee houses, go dancing, uh, go to baseball games. They do like all sorts of stuff. And um, it's funny because, like, there's a twist at the end of this movie that I, w- I won't spoil right now. But, like, ignoring the twist, we're sub- we as a viewer are supposed to get the idea that they're, like, actually falling in love. But it's like how much of catch is in zip like how much is he letting zip be catch you know what i mean like is she mm-hmm. in, in this in theoretically in this scenario i don't know it would just be hard to keep up that facade and also engage with somebody that much well i mean it's he went to broadway shows well no because he says he didn't watch him i've never seen this show no yeah never mind never mind <laughs> so um peter is planning a dinner date with vicky and he's inviting her over to his place and making her a home-cooked meal which is very sweet but catch suggests that he and peter swap apartments for the night so that peter can use catch's swinging pad to seduce vicky and he can use peter's home-cooked meal to woo barbara so catch as zip calls Barbara to invite her to dinner. And there's a super corny split screen gag of them on the phone. (laughs) Mimicking sex positions. And it's just, it's so lazy. Cause like, while all of Ketch's movements make sense, none of Barbara's do. (laughs) And then she's like, I'm standing up, I'm laying down. I'm standing up, I'm laying down. What the fuck? I'm tired. Yeah. I'm like, just sit on the couch, you fucking weirdo. Yeah, but you got you and McGregor in a towel. Right. And that is actually, I love the little outfit she's got on for some reason. It is cute. Yeah. I mean, it's if, if I just, like, tune her out and just pay attention to him, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Peter is at Catcher's Place with Vicky, and he doesn't really know the lay of the land. Um, everything is tricked out with motors and switches and shit. Even the bar. And uh, Peter doesn't know where any of them are or what any of them do. And Vicky's like, how do you lose your own bar? (laughs) (laughs) 
At one point, he flips a switch that makes the couch turn into a bed, and it, like, knocks Vicky over and eats her. And Peter's like, oh, Vicky, where are you? And you just hear this muffled, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Smoke coming out from underneath the couch. (laughs) So he rescues her from the couch. And um, he uh, slips up and makes a comment about cooking her dinner. So he has to cover his ass and says that he cooked dinner for Ketch. And Vicky is like, okay. And then she sees a framed picture of an older couple and is like, oh, are those your parents? And Peter reflexively answers honestly. So he's like, no, it's Ketch's parents. So now Vicky is really confused. And Peter quickly changes the subject and switches on some music. But the whole thing goes haywire and starts, like, shooting records at them like killer frisbees. So they just bolt from the apartment. <laughs> I'd love he, an explanation of how that happened. Right. <laughs> it's like he flipped so many switches and did so many things wrong that it just became, like, fatal. <laughs> um, why is that even a mechanism? Why would it shoot? Whatever. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Thinking way too hard about it. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, at Peter's place, Zip's fake place, Barbara and Zip have dinner, and it's lovely and romantic. And he shows her the telescope, and it's all going great. And um, Barbara makes another pass at him, which he declines. And she's starting to get fed up and getting worried about how she's catching feelings. So she goes to leave, but Catcher grabs her and kisses her. So she agrees to go on one more date. And he, like, apparently it was such a great kiss that even he's all worked up from it. And he, like, pours the champagne bucket ice on his head. (laughs) So Ketch goes back to his place, his actual place, to find his apartment filled with beatniks having a party. And Vicky and Peter had gone to a coffee house downtown, but it got raided, so they brought the party back to Ketch's place. Ketcher is cool with it, and he ends up going to the bedroom to hook up with some chick who's wearing literally nothing but a beret. Uh, unbeknownst to him, Vicky has invited Barbara to the party as well. And when she goes to the bedroom to drop off her coat, she catches Zip, quote-unquote Zip, with the naked girl. So she storms off and Catcher chases after her, still pretending to be Zip, and claims that he was drugged and didn't know what he was doing. He also tells Barbara he loves her. Of course, Barbara, with her down with love credo, can't admit she loves him too. But he's like, I can still make love to you, right? And she's like, hell yeah, you can. (laughs) (laughs) So they plan another date. Somewhere in here... At some point, Vicky gets fired from her job. Um, Theodore Banner, like most of the other men in the city, resent Barbara and Vicky for publishing Down With Love because it made his mistress stop taking his bullshit. So when Vicky shows up to demand a promotion, he just shit cancer. And afterwards, she's like talking to Barbara and it's just like, this sucks. I just want to be married. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want someone to take care of me. Um, so. The next night, Ketch has, um, well, Zip, has told Barbara that Ketcher Block wants to do an article on him. So they go back to Ketcher's place. And Ketcher has a tape recorder going because he plans on seducing Barbara so well that she admits on tape that she loves him. So they're making out and about to do the do when Gwendolyn shows up. She had popped in during a layover for some sex a la carte. And now being a cool and groovy down with love chick, she just apologizes for interrupting and leaves. But of course, her showing up revealed Zip to be Catcher. So Catcher's like, okay, fine, you caught me, whatever, I'm Catcher, but admit it, I got you good. Like, I made you fall in love. And she stands up, switches off the tape recorder. And just unleashes this absolutely batshit insane three-minute-long monologue. (laughs) Fucking bonkers. 
all to camera, one take, three minutes long. Lacey, would you like to summarize this monologue for the listeners? I was your fucking secretary for three minutes years ago and fell in love with you head over heels. So I decided to create this entire fucking scheme just to hear you tell me that you love me. (laughs) Certifiable. (laughs) Her real name is Nancy Brown. She used to be a brunette. She was a little frumpy brunette secretary. And he actually did ask her out, but she said no because she didn't want to be one of his slings. She wanted them to fall in love. So fucking stupid. You can fall in love by going out with him and proving that you're the best woman for him. But sure, let's make a movie about this shit. (laughs) The best part of this whole thing is after this one long take and this long monologue into camera, it cuts back to you in space. And it's hilarious because it's it's the exact face the entire audience is making. (laughs) It's just this incredulous, like, what the fuck? Like, M. Night Shyamalan couldn't have pulled (laughs) a better fucking twist. I remember me and Vicky being like, what the fuck? So, while this was going on, Vicky and Peter were on a date, too. And Vicky is like, it's okay, Peter. I know you were a homosexual who was in love with Ketcher Block. But we can get married anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And so, to explain his odd behavior, he tells Vicky about Ketcher's ruse. So, Vicky hauls ass to Ketcher's place to tell Barbara the truth. So at first, Barbara slash Nancy and Catcher are like, okay, cool. I lied. You lied. We're in love. Let's get married. But just then, Gwendolyn bursts back into the apartment because she finally remembered how she knew Barbara. She recognized her. And she's like thanking her for her book and what she's done for feminism and how she's an idol, yada, yada. And it makes Barbara slash Nancy realize she wants to remain that icon of feminism and equality and doesn't want to be married in the suburbs with a bunch of kids. So she breaks up with Catcher and leaves right as Vicky is arriving. And Vicky fucking punches Catcher in the face, and knocks him on his ass. Peter was following Vicky to catch his place and she bitch slaps Peter for good measure but he grabs her and kisses her and whisks her into Ketcher's apartment to do the deed. Uh, Ketcher follows Barbara to the street, uh, Nancy, whatever, but she still turns him down. And this always makes me laugh because she, like, she turns him down. Does it start to rain on him or something? Uh, yeah? I think it does. But poor Ketch, he just got dumped. He's standing on the sidewalk in the rain. And he can't go back to his place because Vicky and Peter are upstairs doing the do. <laughs> Theoretically, like on his couch. Like, <laughs> So, Catcher is heartbroken. But Peter is like, well, write your expose about her anyhow. And Catcher's like, no, I don't want to do that. I love her. And he's like, I just want to be married. <laughs> so, instead... He writes an expose about himself, about how he was a cad and how he is, how she has changed him and how he now wants an equal modern relationship. But he knows, but when he shows up to know magazine to turn it in, in the story to be printed, he discovers that all the secretaries have quit because Vicky and Barbara have started a new women's magazine called Now. And every woman in the city is vying for a job there. So, knowing she will refuse to see him, Ketcher applies for a position as Barbara's slash Nancy's personal secretary. And as an equal opportunity employer, she has to sit down with him for an interview. And he tells her about the expose he wrote about himself and how he's changed. And wants her to have 
still have her career and her own identity, but still wants to marry her. Um, and there's this whole running joke throughout the movie about substituting chocolate for sex. And so they've like started their own line of candy bars. So the whole time that Ewan is doing this like romantic, sexy monologue, he's like seductively eating chocolate. And she is like one of my favorite gags. She grabs a chocolate bar and like smashes it on the table to open it. Like she's opening a bottle of beer or something. She's like crack. And starts like aggressively eating it. Don't you do that to your candy bars? No. <laughs> do you? Yeah. The I don't, I, to, I don't, it's not to open it. It just breaks it all into little pieces so I can stuff it in my fat gob faster. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Girl, <laughs> you should. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I see this as like a funny physical gag. At least he's like, what? What's different? What? What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everybody beat their bar? Okay. No. no, (laughs) Just me? Okay. Um, so catch like gets up to leave and he has like one last comment about, and during this whole scene, Barbara is wearing this like this all white ensemble with this very sunset boulevard esque turban on. Right. And uh, he makes a comment about, you know, maybe finding something between the mousy brunette Nancy Brown and the cool blonde Barbara Novak. Like, maybe the real her is somewhere in between. And he leaves. And she somehow <laughs> ends up in the elevator down the hall from him. I She, she teleports. I don't know how, what to tell you. There's <laughs> no fucking way. No way. <laughs> she just ends up in the elevator in front of him. Um and is like something between the brunette and the blonde and she takes off her turban and her hair's red. And they kiss and then blah 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 blah. And <laughs> they're in love and live happily ever after. And then there's this um music video at the end called um what is it? It's like Here's to Love is what it is. And it's this really cutesy, funny song about love, and they do this whole thing. Um, and they had, it was Ewan and Renee's idea to do it because they had both just done musicals. And Peyton agreed. And um, then <laughs> I had to look it up on YouTube because I used to have this on DVD. But have you ever watched the blooper reel? Uh, probably. Probably. I recommend. It's like one of the cutest blooper reels I've ever seen. They're they're so adorable. And the blooper reel almost makes me not hate Renee because she seems so cute and cool in it. Oh, okay. I'll be sure to. It's probably still in the Xbox. Yeah. Um. Excuse me. So that's the plot. The. I mean, I don't know. It's silly. It's straight. It's it's whatever. Um, I asked a bunch of people, and by a bunch of people, I mean like the handful of people that follow me on Twitter, (laughs) uh, (laughs) what they they thought of this movie, and only a few people replied. I was like, who has seen this, and what did they think? And only three of my friends replied. And all three of them loved it. And, you know, um, one person was just like, I love it. It's so camp. And it is camp. It's camp, but it's not at the same time, because... True camp is unaware of itself. Right. And this is in t- so intentional that it's like, it's not technically camp, but it's like, that's what it was going for. Right. Um, so it's like fun in that way. As, as long as you don't try to, if you don't take it too seriously, if you just go with the flow, it's a good time. Um, but aesthetically, gorgeous. The sets are amazing. The costumes are amazing. Mwah. Um, there isn't any costumes that I don't like except for like one. Yeah. You know what my favorite costume is? Weirdly enough, you only see it for like a split second. But the, is that the giant <laughs> hat? No, no, no. It's the blue and white polka dot outfit that she's wearing at the baseball game. Cute. I know. Yeah. That they take. They take like a photo booth pictures in them. I love, that's my favorite outfit. 
My favorite outfit. I really do like the little red polka dot number. But I really do like the black dress with the big dumb black hat. <laughs> um, I like Vicky's gown that she wears to dinner too because she's wearing like this incredible necklace with it. Mhm. It's like this big statement piece. That's a good one too. Um, the red fringe dress is cute. Everything Ewan wears is perfect. Mm hmm. That ta- type of tailoring has come back in recent years. All men need to wear tailored suits like from the 60s and 70s. Oh, I know. I watched like Friends and stuff from the 90s, and I'm like, we were sloppy as fuck. Yeah. Why is everything so oversized? Why were men in shit that just look like, they all fucking look like David Byrne for like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> Fitted, tailored. Tight. That sounds awful to be like, yeah, <laughs> wear your tight clothes, you whore, but it's just, it just looks better. <laughs> well, let's see what you got, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. So, any final thoughts on Down With Love? Mm-hmm. It's always our Valentine's movie. I recommend that you go watch it. I don't know where the hell you're going to watch it for free. Good luck with that. But. Yeah. When I decided to do this, I was like, oh, it's on HBO now. And then, of course, the curse of the podcast, I went to watch it. And it's not there anymore. And I don't know where my DVD is, so I had to buy it on Amazon. I wonder if that's how I ended up with the DVD. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably mine. <laughs> I think I bought it at Half Price Books for, like, nothing. Mm, that tracks. That's how we have... Almost all we have drawers and drawers full of movies we bought there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, are you guys going to do anything for Valentine's Day? I don't know. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll go back to Tampico. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I don't know if you've listened to the episode I recorded with the girls last week, but <laughs> you yeah. have. Me and Julie were single, and then Heather, who's married, and Heather's just like, Valentine's Day is a capitalist bullshit holiday. I was just like, Jesus. <laughs> no, I kind of agree. Yeah, whatever. I like make it. I'm the capitalist, though. I'm like, who wants a Reese's cup? Who wants a strawberry? <laughs> this won't be a spoiler, because by the time I upload this, they'll have already received them. But I've sent uh, Galentine gifts to Julie and Heather just for funsies. I just sent them, um, like a little Valentine's Day card and heart shaped sunglasses and an organic candy bar. Ooh, ooh la la. Yeah, it's like vegan, organic, and proceeds uh, from buying it go to endangered animals. So. I, oh I, my god, like we used to get at the wild. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I started looking for one. I was like, I want something like that. I found some. Like, I don't know if I'm actually providing for the white seal or eating the white seal, but the white seal bar tastes so good. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, proceeds from this, uh, from this candy bar go to help endangered species. Ingredients. Baby seal. <laughs> <laughs> Gives it its shine. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't know what was it. There was something white because it was a white chocolate bar, a polar bear, or a baby seal, or a Arctic fox. Fuck, I don't know, but it was tasty. <laughs> Man, I haven't been to the wild in forever. Brandon, that fuck went the other day and didn't didn't tell us. Lame. Well, he I guess his brother gave him passes, so he took some to impress his girlfriend. He took her out there and, like, the backstage pass, like, go up close to the rhinos and shit. Ooh, baby. Hell yeah. That's... I did that once. I got, because, you know, I had an in, because since you and mom were working there. And I, all I remember, really, is I saw, I got to see a baby giraffe, and I ever just remember <laughs> <laughs> like the tour guide yelling at men, just like, if you have cologne on, you can't get close to the rhino. <laughs> <laughs> and all the men were just like, uh, well, what? <laughs> Why? And she's like, you just can't. 
we're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, on that weird note, um, <laughs> I guess we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you, Lacey, for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for the Galentine's headset. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was Lacey's Galentine's gift was a new headset and microphone that apparently is sensitive enough to pick up all sorts of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. They won't get that joke because I'll have edited it out. <laughs> Trust us. It's fucked up and funny. <laughs> oh, well. Thank you all for listening. Um, I hope you all have a great, happy, safe Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day, solo night at home, whatever you have going on. I hope it's great. Uh, you can help support this podcast by clicking on the support link in the description. That will take you to the page where you can make a one-time donation or sign up for a monthly patronage. Or you can help the podcast by sharing this show with your friends and family. You know, retweet our links. Reba, share them on Facebook, do all that kind of stuff, help us spread the word and grow our audience. Um, thanks again to Lacey. No problem. And until next time, we are the Weirdos, Mr.